it's not my problem. Like, I don't understand why you can't stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I felt brave enough to walk into that room the first time because, one, it's very scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm here to let myself know, my future self, that that scary thing was the best thing that Mm -hmm. I've ever done. I'm Hannah Jane. And I'm Sierra, and this is Detached. We're two women in our mid-20s who have a lot to say about literally everything. We try to focus on what we have learned through our emotional and spiritual growth. We're here to have open, vulnerable, and sometimes pretty hard conversations with each other. Just a reminder, we don't speak for any 12-step programs. All we have are our own stories to share. We are so excited to go on this journey with you all. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to episode six of Detached. I am Sierra. And I'm Hannah Jane. I am back from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last episode was so great, and Sierra, you and Kara did an incredible job, and it was a privilege being able to listen to mm-hmm. it, and I'm so thankful to have you both in my life. Aww. An incredible story and a lot of vulnerability shared there, mm-hmm. so... What a great first interview. It was fantastic. Um, And the good thing is we didn't scare Kara away. And she (laughs) said she'd be happy to come back and do another episode. So look for that in the near future. Um, Can we we start off with a funny story? Yes. Um, So on my way back from Utah, I call Sierra. um, Because I kind of wanted to hear, you know, about how the recording went. And she was like, yeah, it went really, really well. Um, but it saved as this file path, something that I hadn't heard of before. And I'm like on the highway getting passed by 18 wheelers <laughs> swerving from the wind. And I'm and Sierra's like, I, you know, I don't want to overwhelm you. And I'm like, I'm fine. Everything is to- I'm totally OK. <sighs> Turns out. Everything worked out perfectly. It sounded amazing. There was zero issue. But just wanted to like loop you all in on just me and Sierra's conversations throughout the week. I thought it was hilarious. And maybe to start this episode off on a lighter note. I thought that was yeah, funny. Yeah, it was um, not a great call on my part to call you and say, yeah, no, it was so great. Like, I just am not sure if I saved it. <laughs> And, like, I could hear the stress in Hannah Jane's voice, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> like, I know that stresses you out, and you're like, no, it's just the 18-wheelers driving past me, like, maybe about to squish me. And <laughs> but, you know, I knew it was saved. I just didn't know if it was, like, saved, like, in the right, like, yeah. Yeah, I do IT. Like, I should definitely know this, but it's it's amazing it's saved it was a fantastic episode and we're here again we are here again yes yes um yeah so we've got some good stuff today um so i know you guys listen to episode four i hope you did um (laughs) if you just skip it if you didn't go back and listen because i think um it's important that you you know hear one of our, you know, hosts' stories of, and kind of why we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, I think it's a vital episode for everyone to listen to. 
Yeah, and I think today, so um, we've been getting some amazing feedback from everybody. And, you know, Hannah Jane and I talked because I think, you know, we want to really make sure, you know, I shared my story. And I think the term recovery is a lot more straightforward when you're talking about like sobriety as like an individual. Um, And, you know, Hannah Jane's mentioned her recovery before too. So we just want to like, you know, really take this episode for her to kind of share her story be vulnerable with that and, um, you know, maybe explain recovery like in Al-Anon means because, you know, and I I won't get too into it because I want you to talk about it, but sort of just really clarify like, because she's not sober. And so like you can still, it's a beautiful thing to be able to have so much growth and like self-improvement in your life and get there. And like, you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be through sobriety, right? Yeah. So um, just want to start off saying I cry a lot, so um, just uh, stay with us. Sierra's going to keep me on yeah. track. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I don't know. Should we just kind of jump into it? or Yeah, well, maybe do you want to start off with, like, when you say the word recovery, like, what does that mean? Like, do you still go out, like, in social situations and drink? Like, okay. like sort of just, you know, give a little bit of background what that means for you. Yeah, so, hmm, all right. Well, recovery for me means a lot. I feel like we've talked about that. And I know by me saying a lot isn't very helpful. But yes, I do go out in social situations. I do occasionally drink. I don't drink nearly as much as I used to in college, mostly because I'm busy. I don't have the time. It doesn't make me feel good. And I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there isn't much reason for me to drink. Um, I think, you know, we had some feedback where people were a little confused. They were like, oh, I thought Hannah Jane was sober. Right. Um, but no, I am in a recovery program that is focused on pretty much recovering from the effects of, <laughs> well, there's a lot, but people pleasing, trying to control um, my qualifier alcoholic situation, trying to do a lot of changing that is out of my control. Um, I think the keyword for me there is control. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I was trying to manage and control and fix my qualifier situation. I thought that I was, I was, I had a very different understanding of alcoholism than I do now. Mm-hmm. When I, before I walked into Al Anon, I truly thought that there was a choice. Mm-hmm. I was confused why. Someone couldn't stop drinking for me if, if, you know, if it wasn't, it's not my problem. Like, I don't understand why you can't stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I felt brave enough to walk into that room the first time because one, it's very scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm here to let myself know my future self that that scary thing was the best thing that Mm -hmm. I've ever done. I'm so happy about that. But, um. And so when you say qualifier, maybe explain what that means. A qualifier refers to a person or people whose alcoholism or addiction has affected my life um, Mm -hmm. in whatever way that is. And for me, I didn't know that there was support for that Mm -hmm. because I was like, well, if alcoholism is the issue, 
then there's support for them. Right. They just need to go to AA. <laughs> yeah. They just have to go to AA or do with, yeah, you know, like right. they can go to their own recovery. Right. I never really thought about the fact that I need to, re- like, mm. needed to recover mm-hmm. from my experience with right. those people. Right. Um, turns out it does have an effect right. and can have a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I would say one of the main things I noticed about myself increasingly is how bad my anxiety got mm. with, like, every situation. If I wasn't in full control or, you know, <laughs> thinking that I was in full control, I felt I felt so like off the rails. Right. It was um it was pretty kind of insane. I think what drove me to walk into that meeting the first time was um a secret had gotten out mm. and I was the last person to find out mm. and it completely broke my heart and I realized I have nowhere else to go. Mm. I that was kind of my personal rock bottom. I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, (laughs) it was a, um, you know, we've talked about acceptance and surrender. That was my surrender moment where I was like, I literally can't do anything about this. It was one of the first times in my life where I, I physically felt this weight lifted off my shoulders, just knowing that I couldn't do anything about that. I didn't know where kind of that feeling would take me. Um, but now I'm here sharing it on this yeah, podcast. which is amazing. Yeah, so. Um, are you comfortable sharing, like, what that, like, tipping point was? Yeah, so I was notified that my qualifier got a DUI. Turns out I was one of the last people to find out, um, which was wild to me because I had actually, so... When I first met this person, the first thing I said was, wow, I really hope you're not an alcoholic because I had just gotten out of an alcoholic relationship. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to go through that again. But wow, I know how to pick them. So when I found out uh, this person got their DUI, I was very willing to stay and, you know, be by their side and support them because I can't imagine going through that. And I wanted to be supportive. Um, but the lies kept coming, you know, things would come out of their mouth and I literally would just be like, wow, that's, that's an inventive one this week. Mm. Thanks for that. Um, but I think the more, the more, and you know, I was still in my relationship when I started Al-Anon, which was really helpful for me because it really helped me and I full circle detach from (laughs) from the situation I was currently in. And it did help me come to that decision that you know, this wasn't working out for me. You know, I couldn't control this uncontrollable disease. And it wasn't, it wasn't my, you know, my responsibility. I have so much love for this person. Um, I always will. And, you know, all I have is my own recovery to help myself. So yeah. Right. And no, I I appreciate you saying all this, you know, and talking about it, because I know it is really hard. You know, we, we talked earlier, like, for you sharing your experience like that it's your story in the sense that that's something you lived through and it was your reality and like you know how you felt then how you feel now looking back at it which you know is hard compared to like me talking about I'm like this was me this is what I did you know so I know it's very hard to share on that without feeling like you're blaming the other person because you're not yeah you know so and I know you know it's especially hard just to sort of talk about those things without 
sort of feeling like, you know, guilty in any sort of way or feeling like you're putting blame on the other person. But I think it's so important to share because I think, you know, obviously, I feel like to the general public, it's more common to be able to relate to your experience, yes. right? Because my experience, it's like pretty specific, like, you know, alcoholics and addicts, right? <laughs> but like for you, like, I, I don't even know anybody who doesn't have somebody or has hasn't had <laughs> some sort of relationship yeah. or you know know somebody in some capacity that has struggled with that right? literally i would say almost everyone is qualified for mm-hmm. al-anon right. you know <laughs> like, like yeah, everybody knows somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think um you know it's such a rampant disease and i think the harm of people not understanding and not kind of knowing that it is a disease Mm -hmm. really puts a bad rep on it because of the fact that you know people just are like oh just stop drinking like just stop um that's how i felt for so long i was like i literally just don't get it like put it down Mm -hmm. you know it made zero sense to me now it makes a lot more sense and um I just want to say I have zero blame and mm-hmm. I have no anger really anymore in my heart. Right. At first I was very angry. Yeah, of course. Um, I was super confused. I had like zero empathy, but now I am, I like, I'm only filled with love and mm-hmm. I only wish the best for my quality, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. The reality is, is there, you know, yeah. Right. There's there's so much gratitude in it too, right? Like, I mean, that's what brought us together is me going through a relationship similar to you and being in a very similar situation, um, which I'll share more on that at a later yeah. date. <laughs> I want to focus on Hannah Jane today. But, um, you know, like that's that's really like what brought us together was me saying, you know, oh, this is going on. You're like, damn, I know what that's like. <laughs> like, shit, like maybe we should talk about that more, you know? And yeah. And you sort of helped me get to that place. So that's also why I feel like it's so important, you know, just to talk about these things. Yeah, I remember I had a friend. um, I was, you know, saying how I was still in Al-Anon. And they were like, oh, well, you guys broke up. Why are you still in Al-Anon? And I was like, ah, yeah. Uh, You know, I think that is a good question. Yeah. Because the reality is, is my recovery doesn't stop when Mm. I leave you know, an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. it's going to go on for the rest of my life. It's impacted my life in every single way. And to all of my friends that used to know me as this very passive aggressive, anxious, like, Mm. I don't know, borderline a little intense person, I think can attest to the fact that I have had a lot of self growth because of the program. Um, So yay. (laughs) No, it's amazing. And that's on growth. nod to episode yeah (laughs) um no yeah and I think you know obviously it's such an incredible thing because it's like you know Al-Anon is what sort of got you into this place of like oh my gosh like I need to look at all these things like I need to process like the trauma I've been through like you know it just sort of started the whole healing journey for you and I think totally yeah yeah I mean so I've been in therapy on and off my entire life and I started seeing a therapist who I love um in college Mm -hmm. 
And she helped me work through a lot of early trauma and kind of watched me in, you know, this alcohol, in various, Mm -hmm. in various alcoholic relationships. Um, I still work with them today. And, you know, they were the one who kind of, I don't want to say were like, hey, you know, you should go to Al-Anon. But they were like, have you thought Mm, about this? Is this something that maybe you've heard about Mm -hmm. I was like oh god yeah I've heard about Al-Anon like (laughs) stop I don't need that right um and then I didn't think I needed it until I literally needed it Mm -hmm. um and how grateful am I that it was there for me right you know uh but yeah I have been in therapy on and off my entire life right so grateful for that yeah and you know back to you know getting into Al-Anon for the first time like what I mean, obviously, like, that's a very brave thing to do, right? It's hard, and you feel like there's a lot of stigma around it and things like that. Like, I don't know, I guess, what would you say for somebody who's like, well, like, maybe that would help, but I also don't, I don't feel like I I belong there, you know, that same. kind of thing. I, right? Same. Um, I would say, well, at least for me, I literally didn't think I needed it until I was like, I need something I need this and for me it was a little easier I mean because I don't want to say it was easier because it wasn't but it was during COVID so I was on Zoom okay so those first few meetings I felt like I was able to kind of not maybe be in the background but I didn't have to I I will say like you for I can choose how much I want to participate in Al-Anon you know Mm -hmm. I'm going in and that day and it's like I don't have to talk I can talk. I can just go in. I can go on Zoom. I can do whatever I need for myself that day. Mm -hmm. And knowing that was really helpful. And also the fact that, um, you know, I think there, I don't know, I just felt so safe. Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. think I'd feel that safe. I felt like I walk in and they'd be like, and I would be like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Right. But um, it turns out that, you know, People are there for themselves mm-hmm. to get their own help, and that's what I needed, right. and that's what I found. Right. So um, it's not easy. I don't think it can be easy for anyone, and I think you can also, you know, speak to that. You know, fall, walking into anything mm-hmm. for the first time—it's a completely new and like alien situation—is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that being that scared was. A whole lot better than feeling absolutely mm. helpless you know yeah so definitely um a decision I was very very happy about right yeah I know definitely and I think too like for me what it is and this is like you know goes for AA and Al-Anon those are the only two 12-step programs I've been in but like well and actually CA too but um uh it's sort of that feeling of like homecoming like when you go there and you sit down and you hear other people sharing for the first time and you're like oh my god like I'm gonna I'm gonna cry but yeah it's like you're like oh my gosh like I'm not alone and like these other people feel the same way and they also are like what the fuck do I do (laughs) you know like everybody's just it's so it's so amazing because everybody just comes together in like this space of like understanding exactly how each other feel and um I just, I just want to emphasize that, like, you know, it, it's such an amazing experience. And if 
you know, like you find a home in that, like it's so incredible. And so I, um, I'm also super grateful that, you know, that was something I decided to do too. Well, I was kind of forced to (laughs) (laughs) in detox, but, uh, but yeah. But you forced yourself. You literally got yourself there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but something I also want to mention is I felt really selfish, um, that I needed recovery because I was like, why do I need this for me? Like, I don't understand. I, there was just a lot of confusion, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, and that confusion cleared up when I started, you know, reading literature and, you know, doing my own research and, you know, talking to people. But I felt, (laughs) I also felt so alone. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am literally the only single person in this entire universe that can understand what I'm going through. Turns out I was so wrong. Um, and there, there's like, kind of that home feeling yeah that feeling of like whoa I'm not alone like how thank god (laughs) yeah right (laughs) right because it can feel especially you know I think in in relationships like that like it can feel so isolating right yeah well um I can I think you know there was a time where my friends in Boulder in Denver didn't kind of here for me for maybe a year and a half two years I was I felt very isolated and you know I had friends um you know up where I was living at the time but I had really kind of cut off contact with a lot of people because you know it, oh it was too hard it was too this it was too that they wouldn't understand they don't get this and just a lot of excuses um so yeah to get to like the meat of the issue. <laughs> yes, the meat. Is that even like, like, like a term? Like the meat of the issue? No, what is it? Like the. I feel like it is the is meat, it? not the, the tissue meat. of the issue. <laughs> but I just think I created uh, a new thing, yeah. so that one's good. The meat of it. That's like what people. The meat yeah. of it. <laughs> the juicy um, stuff. Yeah. Which is juicy raw. <laughs> It is wrong, but it's also like not wrong. That's the relatable stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about any sort of, you know, significant experiences for you that looking back, you were like, man, that was that was really hard. That was a big one. Yeah, um, there are a few. Yeah. So I'll start off. I'm going to cry with this story. Just a forewarning, yeah. and just you know, trigger warning. I am going to be talking about rape and sexual assault so if that is something you feel uncomfortable hearing um skip ahead you know maybe five ten minutes or uh you know save yourself for the next episode but um my freshman year of college I was raped and it took me maybe four years to really understand what had happened to me uh (laughs) as a woman the word rape is so like normalized um, and for me, I like, didn't want to say it, I, you know, going through therapy, I was like, oh no, it just was this thing happened. Like they were drunk. It was fine. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's totally okay. And, um, this person I have no contact with, you know, I haven't talked to them in years and years and years and they are not my qualifier. Mm-hmm. Just want to, you know, let everyone know that. But, um, yeah, there was alcohol involved and it was a party actually called Dress to Get Laid, which, you know, so um, 
I was like, oh, well, you know, I was asking for it. I was drunk too. I was dressing, you know, provocatively. And kind of the last few things that I remember is I remember saying no. And then I kind of remember like my head being uh, like hit against this kind of diagonal wall and then waking up naked and afraid and very confused and scared and running back to my house. and promptly calling my mother and being like, I think I want to transfer. You know, obviously there were other factors that made me want to transfer, but I would say that was definitely one that was pretty intense. Um, And that moment in time really uh, was formative for me, for, I guess, partners and my sex life Mm -hmm. and the way I communicated. Because it really made me shut off. Mm-hmm. I felt really numb for so long. I feel like I lost kind of my Hannah Jane sparkle. Um, I feel like I lost a lot of myself. I felt really alone. I, um, I mean, I didn't really understand what happened until I started working with my therapist and doing EMDR, which is a type of trauma therapy, if you don't know. Um, and you know, kind of coming to the conclusion that, whoa, okay, this happened. And I now am able to say the word rape without feeling so much anger or, you know, absolute, like, you know, fire coming out of, like, everywhere. Just, um, but yeah. And then I transferred and I met my, um, first boyfriend, um, in college. And, uh, Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a large part in helping me, you know, through a lot of that healing journey. I mean, all of my boyfriends have been, and I'm very thankful for them. But I just started kind of noticing, you know, alcohol a little bit more in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I guess there were definitely some moments where I used alcohol and drugs to kind of numb my own pain from my own trauma. And starting to kind of notice that and being like, oh, all right, that might not be super healthy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, addressing it along the way. But I think what happened with my first boyfriend in college was I just noticed a lot of drinking, you know, on the weekends when there wasn't class and a lot of weed. And, you know, I know weed is being Colorado. I found out I am technically allergic to it, which is crazy. Um, So when everyone else was like getting high and having a great time, I was like getting high and feeling so anxious. And I was like, is this like a normal feeling? Um, I also would get this crazy, I call it my I'm nervous rash, as all of my friends know. Everyone's like, Hannah Jade, you ha-. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I'm very aware of I, what's going on here. Like, I, I can feel it I can and see it. See it. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of that in the relationship and just started noticing that it was so normalized within family structures, you know, how fathers and sons and whatever. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot. Um, and there were just some, I just started getting kind of uncomfortable and we both very mutually drifted apart and was like, all right, see ya. That was a good first relationship. See ya. And, um, then I got into another one right, I think it was right after college, and um, 
that relationship, you know, definitely helped me get to Al-Anon and was the reason I got, I was in Al-Anon and definitely was a major part in my healing journey as well. And now part of my recovery. Mm -hmm. So how special. And, you know, as I said, the first thing I said was, well, I really hope you're not an alcoholic because, you know, I, I had, I had done that and I didn't want to do it again. You know, it's, it's pretty exhausting trying to control someone without sometimes realizing you're controlling the situation. I feel like for me, it became such a normalized behavior that it was like, yeah, like you're not, you're just being the good girlfriend. You're being the communicative, whatever girlfriend. But, um, so this relationship for me really helped me do a lot of healing around kind of that rape trauma. I felt very safe. Um, and you know, there was a lot of love there. And I think at first me trying to control the situations felt me just like, that's just how I showed my love. Like Mm. that's my love language, controlling people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right? So relatable. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, you know, if everything, if I can, you know, control it, oh, it's all going to be fine and everything's going to be perfect. One of the things I started to notice was when we were out in public together and there would be alcohol involved, I would get very on guard. Mm. I'd be like, oh, God, like, are they going to drink too much? Is it going to, like, make me feel like, I don't know, when we get home, mm. am I going to feel terrible? What's going to happen? And I, I, got, I got feedback from someone later um, that they were like, yeah, like, we all thought you were just crazy. And I was like, wow, yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> but wow. I, I did everything in my power to, like, you know, kind of keep their image intact. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care if I look like the Looney Tunes girlfriend as long as, you know, my partner looks good and feels good um yeah so if that wasn't red flag number one I don't know what is and then there was another situation where we'd come back from a party and drinking involved and he punched a hole in the wall Mm. and I guess that time in my life, I was like around a lot of men who where that behavior was so normalized where it was like, oh, well, you know, I know this guy that's done that before. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. it's just, you know, men being Mm. hormones and angry men. I don't know. Like that was totally okay behavior. So I thought it was super normal. And I remember telling one of my friends my well, actually, it was my roommate at the time. And she kind of looked at me with these eyes of like, Mm. oh, like, no. And, you know, she handled the situation very well. She like, you know, didn't freak out and, you know, was very, very kind about it. I was so embarrassed. Mm. Um, I was like, why should I be embarrassed? I didn't do it. You know, now looking back on it. But I was so embarrassed. And shout out to my roommate at the time because she was very, very kind and um, very not judgmental, which I think is exactly what I needed in that moment. Mm-hmm. And kind of her eyes were a good tell of, mm, right. hey, maybe, maybe that's maybe not a good that. sign. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Arizona mm-hmm. for grad school and COVID happened. So I moved in with this partner 
I moved in with this partner and they had two roommates, which I highly don't recommend. Well, for I'm only re- not recommending this for Hannah Jane's future. Hannah Jane, do not ever <laughs> live with a partner and roommates. Just don't do it. Don't do it again, girl. Um, I would say that situation was really hard for me mm. because I was doing school with having like three outside factors that I had zero control over, even though I was trying to control it. Mm. And I was literally driving myself insane. Um, Oh my God. I have this. Okay. This other story that I have is um, I was really sick for about four months. I didn't really know what it was from. I felt really like really lethargic um so like just out of it I was like oh I'm probably depressed I probably need to go back on antidepressants and I was talking to my therapist um my psychiatrist and it was just kind of it came to the conclusion of maybe there's another factor you know Mm, inside the home have have you checked for black mold have you done this and I was like no like why would I there wouldn't be black mold one day I saw some water leaking and I opened this closet. It was like the water heater, whatever goes everywhere in the house. When I say there was black mold in the entire room, like there was oh black God. mold everywhere. I was really congested. And so were a few of the other roommates. But I guess black mold can affect other yeah. people, you know, can yeah. affect people differently. And I was like, I was, I wasn't mad, but I was like, this needs to be addressed. Right. And pretty much the response was it's not that bad it's fine I'll fix it myself and I was like no like I, you need to get a professional like this whole room is right. mold right. black mold it's literally it's so yeah. I mean yeah. it was disgusting and it kind of just started snowballing into like I'll get it fixed mm. and I was like I don't feel comfortable you fixing it I think you do need a professional because I know I didn't want anyone to get hurt and you know, I was out of town and they were like, yeah, professional came. And I, it was hard for me to believe right. things anymore. Like my gut was telling me something very, very, a different story. Right. Um, but I wasn't trusting my gut. I was trusting the person I loved. And, you know, I mean, the mold was gone. So I just was like, yeah, okay, cool. It's over. It's done. Um, so there were just a lot of like little situations where my gut was like, mm, Hannah Jane. Right. But, you know, my love greatly exceeded that. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to, you know, be like, you're lying. That's not true. Mm-hmm. I guess another one for me, is I have a lot of anxiety in the car now um, because of drunk driving. And my current partner is like the safest driver ever and whenever i like he turns a corner i'll like hold on and he'll be like no no it's fine and sometimes i'm like i literally just like need you not to talk like i know it's fine i just this is my own stuff Mm -hmm. that i still am not over like that i think is one of my one of the hills that i will be climbing my entire life is really kind of giving up control in a motor vehicle Mm -hmm. when someone else is driving um because i mean you're in a vehicle and you are not in quote unquote i mean in literal control of that vehicle it's just i have like a lot of anxiety you know being in a car where i'm not driving um so i think that's something that 
I noticed a lot more, you know, after I kind of got in my current relationship, you know, just like I trust him. I trust him a lot, but like I'll never trust anyone more than I trust myself driving. Right. You know? And what experiences like yeah caused that? Yeah, I remember um there was one night I went to this Italian place and he had like a glass of wine and uh I don't know if there was, you know, there were a lot of uh, empty shooters in the car. Mm. And um, (laughs) so we were, we were exiting, they were driving and almost drove into incoming traffic. And I was screaming at him because I was like, get in the other lane. And he was like, I only did that because you were screaming at me. And I was like, "Ah, oh my God, no. Okay. So everything was my fault, you know? Um, but then there was a lot of like, but I love you, like love bombing and ugh, I feel it was really hard for me because I was just like so in love with this person. I was so in love with everything this person stood for. Why would they ever try and put me in harm? Ever. That would why? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason. So that was that was a really hard one for me. Um Right, yeah. and at the time, it probably felt like, like you said, you know, why would they try to put me in harm? I and mean, you, you know now that everything that this person did was because they're sick. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How grateful am I to know that now? Mm-hmm. You know, right. because at the time I didn't, and you know, at that moment, there was a lot of blame that I was putting on them, right. and now I can really see that. They were really sick, and I couldn't help no- nothing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, right. there's nothing I could have done right. to make it a little bit better, to make it a little bit easier. I can't get people to do anything, which is crazy, right? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I do kind of now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a selfish disease, you know? Um, and I think that is why it is so cool that the two of us are doing this specifically because, you know, I remember, and I know we've talked about this before, but I remember coming over to your apartment, like, I don't know how long ago, like well before we started the podcast. Um, I think when you and I like first started hanging out a lot and, um, you know, I sort of shared my story with you and you were like, whoa, like, and it, it just, it like, you know, obviously you already had some knowledge and like some background and like understanding, you know, addiction and stuff like that. But to, to really like hear it from somebody who is like, yeah, like it was totally a place of selfishness. Like everything, you know, I did, it wasn't to anybody. It's because I was so sick, but also selfish and was in such a place of like, nothing not that I didn't feel any remorse because I I felt that every morning that I woke up but I you know it it was just everything that I was doing like I didn't think about what it was doing to anybody else around me right and I didn't think about how say somebody like you would feel in that situation right it was just like you know everything I was doing was in in my mind you know what I had to do 
Yeah. And so I feel like that's been really cool for us, like for me to have like that eye opener, see what it's like on the other side of it and what that feels like. And, you know, obviously I got a taste of that with the last relationship. (laughs) Um, But then also, you know, for you to see like what what that is like coming from somebody who you know, was in the same space as, like, your qualifier, right? Yeah, and I think for me, hearing that was not only helpful, but kind of, there definitely was, like, a light switch, Mm. you know, because it kind of gave me the freedom to know that, wow, to, like, to not necessarily know, but to truly, like, intrinsically feel in my body that, like, I can't, there's nothing Mm -hmm. I could have done. Right. You know, there's nothing I could have done. And I did the best thing for myself by leaving Mm -hmm. and getting June. Mm -hmm. June is my dog. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me in the entire universe. Yes, we love animals. (laughs) Like, can you see her right now? She's on my pillows in the sunshine. Oh, and that that takes me, oh my God. That kind of takes me maybe... A little bit to my higher power, which I'm going to cry because she's in light. And for me, that's what my higher power is. Um, But I had, I I had a concussion a few years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, in turn of that and other stuff, I guess I had gotten some weird, I don't know what happened necessarily, but I was in the hospital for 10 days. And there was, they were putting me on all this pain medication. And then this incredible like neurosurgeon came in and he was like, she literally shouldn't be on, you know, pain medication for a brain injury. Like, what are you doing? Um, so they got me off of it. And my mom describes me kind of coming off of that medication as like, it was Chucky. Mm. Like I was, I, I don't really want to know what I was doing because I can imagine when you say Chucky, it probably wasn't good. Um, But I remember them calling a code blue on my room. It was code blue room 250. It was either 253 or 257. I can't remember. But um, and then I remember leaving my body, Mm -hmm. like literally leaving my body and looking down on myself. And oh, my God, that person above my physical body that was in pain I I have never felt that kind of calm and freedom ever Mm -hmm. and there was just like this very bright light it wasn't like a single pinnacle light but just like I felt like my whole body was in light and I think personally that saved me I think that experience saved me And for a long time, I didn't tell a lot of people about it because I was like, these people are going to think I'm literally crazy. And I don't care. Like, you can think I'm crazy. That's fine. But how, what an incredible experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and not, I haven't met a ton of people that are like, oh, yeah, I can relate. Um, If anything, I've told people and they're like, whoa, that's incredible. So the reactions I've gotten from that have been very positive, which have been very helpful for me because it makes me feel less crazy. So I think that experience for me was kind of crazy because when I got into Al-Anon and started working the steps and I was like, oh, God, I don't know what my higher power is. Mm. and I was just kind of reflecting on my life and I was like, there's just been so much light in my life. And there you go. Mm -hmm. And then 
June being in the pillow of sunshine over there just had me thinking and reflecting on that. So that was a pretty beautiful moment and kind of full circle moment, you know, um, that experience was pretty incredible. So what is your, um, higher power sort of look like or mean for you today? Like, is it still the same? Like, has it changed over time? You know, I don't, I think because I'm so new to this program still that it's still light, Mm -hmm. but I know that it will change over time. And I think that's what's so beautiful is that it doesn't have to be this one thing forever. Right. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where it evolves, you know? That's amazing. But yeah, I mean, I think what happened with, you know, my ex at the time was I really saw it as just like a relationship that just didn't last. Hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. Well, people do like good happens. People break up. But I didn't realize that a lot of those events were so um, that I mean, you know, they're going through them. But you as the partner are also going through that. And I think that's something that I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I mean, this is like your thing. I don't think, I don't really understand why I would need help. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely learned that that's not the case. Is right. that, I mean, like every action in the universe like has some sort of an effect on us, you know? So, um, there can be something that's very removed to you that happens and it affects you and that's a very valid emotion. And I think that's something that's really important to talk about because I think I had a hard time being like, oh, well, I shouldn't be affected like I am with this. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm an empath, so I feel so much, which I think for a long time I was like, that's one of, that's like my downfall is that I feel so much. And then someone told me maybe that's like part of your superpower too. And I feel a lot differently towards that now because not only am I able to feel so much for other people, but I am able to, you know, create those emotional and physical boundaries when I need to. But also because I can feel so much, it can be hard to let people in because I'm like, oh God, am I going to have to try and fix this, like this person's problems? Now I know that I don't have to. Now I know that you know, I can just listen. Mm. Who knew that I could just listen and not respond? Because I didn't. And I do now. So Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that little nugget um, of joy that has entered my life. I think one of, besides, you know, the secret of the DUI, the second biggest event that kind of had me being like, all right, I think there is a bigger thing going on here, was... It was like 7.45 in the morning. We were about to take a shower. He was in the shower, and he took a swig of something. And it was vodka, and I, I saw it. And I, like, gaslit myself into mm. being like, it was just Gatorade or something else. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, no, no, no it's not, like, nothing. And I could, like, see the anxiety in his eyes. I could see the anxiety literally just everywhere. I could see it. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that moment was like, wow, there's like no control here. Okay, like that's out of mind. Nope, I can't do that. And that's, I think, that was kind of the tipping point. Um, we had broken up. We had con- kind of gotten back together. And then we had kind of kept seeing each other. And then I kind of was like, all right, I, 
we, this can't, you know, we can't keep doing this. It's harmful to me. It's harmful to you. Um, and that's when June became my number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, she always was, let's be real. <laughs> but, you know, I really, really relied on my animal and my friends. Um, just like I was, I mean, I feel like when a breakup is never fun ever, but then a breakup and also kind of starting your own recovery was like really hard because I was fully focused on myself, something I had not done in like a long time because I had always been in relationships and it's like, oh, I'm taking care of a new one. I'm going to let them out into the world to find someone better for them. I was like, oh, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the fixer, (laughs) you know? Um, what an insane thing to think about yourself. Uh, but I really didn't feel, I think at that point, I didn't feel like I was worthy of anyone. I was like, well, if I can't help this person, I can't really help anyone. Mm-hmm. And that made me really sad because I love the people. I like love my friends and you know that mm-hmm. I will go to the ends of the earth for the people that I love. And I really did try and go to the ends of the earth for this person. And, you know, I mean, you can't go to the ends of the earth for a disease you can't control. Right, right. So that was really hard. Um, something that just popped into my head. I um, can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast before. But what did it feel like versus what does it feel like now? What did it feel like when you would go home? when you lived with this person versus how does it feel like coming home now? Oh my God. Oh my God. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, well, so, you know, flight, fight to flight or freeze. I was in a very like fight and freeze kind mm-hmm. of situation. Um, so I, I mean, I was so anxious. I was really defensive. I, I'd say, like, I was really angry all the time. Um, I was also just scared and nervous. Like, oh, God, wonder what I'm going home to or mm-hmm. wonder what's going to happen tonight or, you know, and I think um, my gut always knew. Like, my gut was like, all right, Hannah Jane, come on. Um, but my heart was like, no. I was fighting it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. wrong. Right. Walking into my apartment now, I feel so happy. I don't feel that anxiety. I mean, I was coming back from Utah. I'd mentioned this to you. I was thinking about potentially moving. And then I walked into my house and the happiness I felt Mm -hmm. was like so there was my apartment has a ton of light Mm -hmm. and that I mean, you just can't get that everywhere. And it's I mean, light is just such a huge part of my life, as you know, and now everyone here knows. Mm -hmm. But I there's just I don't it's kind of undescribable right truthfully Mm -hmm. you know I mean alcoholism is such an insane disease to me because of the fact that when you're in a relationship with an alcoholic or have a close relation with an alcoholic who is an active alcoholic you or I feel I felt like it was really my responsibility to kind of manage them and by by doing that I wasn't managing my own expectations of like what was happening in the situation so I mean I feel like I I don't know I felt very 
alone because, I mean, I was around people all the time, but I felt alone because I was like, wow, there's just, there's not a lot of control in this environment, even though I felt like I was controlling it. So it was very weird for me. Ugh, God. But it was hard. I love this person so damn much, you know? How do you, how do you justify, like, how do you, for me, the big thing was like, am I helping or am I controlling? Like, what, where's the line, you know? I didn't know where that line was because I wanted more than anything to help this person. They knew that. Everyone around me thought I was crazy. They were like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I was like, because I literally love this person so much. It's so hard. It's so hard to love someone and fix them try to fix them and knowing that you have zero control over that um and I think that relationship you know from when I was raped that was like the biggest thing on um helping me find love so I'm forever thankful for that person for bringing love into my life you know and kind of helping me relearn how important love is and it sucks alcoholism sucks mm-hmm. it's such a shitty disease I know <laughs> oh. and it's so hard too right because it's like when you think about you know obviously if you're in a relationship and you know like you know like deep in your yeah. gut like you're like this isn't this isn't right right and so you go back and forth in your head like a million times of like well, should I end this? Should I not end this? Well, this, you know, and all the justification. But I think something um, that I I remember saying when I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do in my last relationship was like, well, it would just be so much easier if this person fucking cheated on me. (laughs) I know! And then I had a reason. And then I had a reason because I'm like, this person's like sick and I just want to support them and I just want to help them. Like, yeah. but it's so, it's hurting me so bad. And so, you know, like that was, I think such a hard part because I'm like, this is, and I, I literally remember saying to my mom, I'm like, no one understands. Like, <laughs> like everybody else just gets cheated on. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but, but really though. And so like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so it's so different in that way but it's like you know i think it's really important to point out like that's not a reason (laughs) to stay in the relationship you know like yeah um (laughs) i know that when i was going through my breakup i also was like like why can't there just be someone else Mm. like that would give me a quote-unquote valid reason to break up with this person because right now, the only reason we're breaking up is because, you know, like, of the drinking mm-hmm. and, you know, of some other stuff or whatever. And I just was like, just fucking cheat on me. Right. <laughs> it's easier. Give me a reason. Yeah. To justify it. Yeah. Because right? the reason that I was getting was, oh, he's sick and I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, blah, 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 blah. But what did you say in one of our previous episodes? Like about letting people voluntarily evolve yeah right (laughs) crazy um yeah so I think as I started actually I feel like the first few months I was I mean I was doing what I what I needed to do Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of myself for going 
for, you know, whether it was once a week, once a month, whenever I needed it. But when I realized that it just like, like was really good and I was like, whoa, it's like kind of, I'm feeling better Mm. after Mm -hmm. and I want to keep feeling like this, you know? Um, And I think what's really cool is when, when I need like a little extra love, I'll go to, you know, I'll just find a meeting online and just go. And I'm like, wow, someone always says something. I, I got to hear that day, right. you know? Yeah. But I cry a lot in the meetings and I feel very safe and vulnerable there. And it's one of those places where I just feel so, um, so calm, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a really nice feeling to have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can take that kind of energy that I have there and bring it into my everyday life and I'm able to handle situations with a lot more I think love and maturity than I used to Mm -hmm. I think I used to just as I've said before flail Um, (laughs) but just like you know freak out with anxiety and try and blame immediately Mm -hmm. because that's that's the easiest route to go just blame someone and then it's off you that's like so not the way to do it at least for me um you know so it definitely gave me a lot of tools to kind of you know act in a way that I wanted to act and my current partner is like so good at communication which is like so foreign to me and I'm like whoa this is crazy Mm -hmm. you want to talk about this right now okay right (laughs) um and I've talked about this on the podcast before but you know I used to really not be able to talk about a situation for like a few days now I've cut it down to like a few hours (laughs) (laughs) um hopefully soon enough I'll get it you know right then and there not there yet (laughs) um but it's definitely I mean I'm so thankful for every partner that I've had ever because they've all taught me so much I'm so and you know someone who loves alcoholics clearly um I love them so much there's so much about you know an alcoholic's personality you know that Mm. that like love to live Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and I love that Mm -hmm. I you know, I search for that in people every day because I think it's such a gorgeous quality in a human being. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty incredible for me to now see that, you know, alcoholism is a disease that I can't control. And it's a disease that the person who has it needs to do their work. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful to have you in my life to kind of give me, give me a beautiful, I guess, view of what life as an alcoholic Mm -hmm. in recovery looks like Mm -hmm. because it just it make it just brings me so much like calm Mm -hmm. to know that you know you were able to Mm -hmm. you know find that for yourself and it gives me a lot of calm knowing that I am working on myself because Mm -hmm. that is the only thing I can (laughs) control and I can do um so yeah one thing I wanted to talk about too is like so so, you know, obviously I went to my first Al-Anon meeting with you and I think for me, there was like a lot of hesitation around it. And it's actually so funny because I like kept sharing about, you know, the living situation and the relationship I was in. It was like, you know, this is so hard, blah, blah, blah. And somebody came, <laughs> somebody came up to me after a meeting and was like, hey, like, we love you. But like, this might be more of an Al-Anon issue. <laughs> 
Yeah. Not, not saying, like, I wasn't able to share about it, but they were like, you know, an Al-Anon meeting might help you yeah. get to, like, you know, help you get to that place of healing yeah. that AA isn't really, like, you know, centered around yeah. Um, in that capacity. And so, but I was super hesitant to go because, oh my God, how selfish of me. I was like, <laughs> I'm the problem. Like, they're going to sit there and talk about me. <laughs> like, I'm the issue. I'm the reason they're there. Like, it's so wild, first of all. Yeah. Like, no. So maybe just speak to that a little bit because obviously once I went, like, that was not the case at all. And I was like, so welcome with like open loving arms but you know maybe for somebody (laughs) who's hesitant on going like because they are in recovery themselves yeah no when you said that to me that was like so (laughs) wild I was like what you really thought that like that I was like whoa um yeah I mean my experience personally has been that you know those meetings are for you they're Mm -hmm. not for anyone else like when I go in there I know that someone is going to say something that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's selfish. You know, I think, I think when I first started, I was like, I'm be like, this is selfish of me, like mm. by coming here mm-hmm. because I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. But for me, it's been very, very helpful, obviously, because of the fact that it's the time that I get to have and reflect on myself Mm -hmm. and it kind of just, it's like my weekly medicine. Truthfully, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, just, uh, I'm not feeling great. Got to go to an Al-Anon meeting, you know? And it really does help me. But I think I, I don't want to like give advice because I can only speak to, you know, what I know, but you know, in my experience, I have never felt judged. I don't feel judgment. I don't feel scared to share. Um, I feel very safe because, you know, what stays there stays there. It doesn't doesn't leave. And I think that's one of the biggest principles of, you know, those meetings that um, we go to is that, you know, we're not we're not out here, you know, sharing what other people have told us. It's Mm -hmm. you know, that's a very private thing that you share in those rooms. I'm able to share with you guys my story and Sierra her story because those are our Mm -hmm. experiences. so we're able to share that with you. So, yeah, I mean, walking in wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And um, it gets easier. It got easier for me mm-hmm. um, because it really made me realize that, whoa, I, like, need this so much. And this is so great. And it truly works for, like, all aspects of my entire life. Right. I'm like, everyone should go. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs yes. it. Um, but yeah, how beautiful is that? Mm, it's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I know a lot of that is like really hard stuff to talk about. So it takes so much courage that I don't think a lot of people have to be able to put that out there like that. Um, so thank you for sharing that so much. Thank and. you for facilitating and <laughs> guiding me. I know I can be a little chaotic when I talk about something vulnerable. It's just kind of hard for me to like stay on topic because I get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel very safe talking mm-hmm. about it. Good. Yeah. I know. I think what I love, you know, it's so funny because we get asked all the time, like, oh, do you guys have a script? And I'm like, 
literally how would we have a script? <laughs> oh. Like, we'd be like, yeah, it just... I have, I have like, a, a small, <laughs> like, two-inch by two-inch page of notes that just has, yeah. like, a few words. words and yeah. I'm like, well, going off this. Right, because we speak from the heart. And not saying, you know, not not throwing any shade at people who <laughs> do have scripts, but we, I think that's a beautiful part of it is that we do kind of go off on these things and it's really just we're sharing what's on our hearts you know this is what it works for us yeah exactly. you know so, so. <laughs> amazing all right well, thank you guys for listening tuning in again um man this is so cool that i we're know like just doing this I'm, yeah i'm so glad we can put this out every week for you guys um and we're just having so much fun doing it and can't even can't yeah. even express the amount of support and love and just we're so grateful so yeah so grateful thank you all so much mm-hmm. and we'll see you next week Catch you next week bye bye